If this is your first time listening to this podcast, uh, I will tell you that two episodes ago, we had a guest that helped raise over $30 million online, which is just mind-blowing. But, and again, if, you, if you're first time here and haven't checked that out, go out there and listen to the episode. And uh, I want to tell you that today we have a guest that actually made over $30 million, but made, not like just quote-unquote just help raised but actually made over 30 million dollars he's a very successful entrepreneur uh, online entrepreneur his name is nathan hirsch and i had a blast talking to him we covered a lot of stuff uh we covered one of the most important things which is traffic and he gave like some really amazing things about that uh, we also talked about building relationships and we talked about his journey, like how did he came to the point where he made over $30 million online. So I, I hope you will enjoy this episode. Now, again, if you're a first time listener, you're listening to Affiliate Journey and I'm your host, Miodrag Milenkovic, and I'm releasing interviews like this one every Friday as well as I'm releasing SoloCast episodes every Tuesday. So not to miss any of those, uh, please consider subscribing. And lastly, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you that I'm running a free Facebook group called Affiliate Marketing Elite. So if you are interested in becoming a better affiliate in generating uh, high ticket sales online with affiliate marketing, I would definitely, uh, definitely invite you to come and join our awesome community and until then uh enjoy the episode hello everyone welcome back to affiliate journey and i have a very very special guest today his name is uh, nathan hirsch Nathan, welcome to the show. It's awesome having you here, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Like I heard just a tiny bit about your story and it already sounds exciting. So I'm pretty pumped to to hear the entire story. So be so kind to share with the listeners and myself a bit about your background. how did you start and why did you start into online entrepreneurship, man? Yeah. So, I mean, going back, my parents were both teachers growing up. So I kind of grew up with the mentality that I would go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire, and, and that was going to be my life. And that's what they're doing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And they're traveling right now. They're retired. But I knew at a very young age that that's not what I wanted to do. My, my parents always used to make me get these 40, 50 hour a week, summer jobs, summer internships. And I learned a ton about marketing and sales and, and interacting with, with the management team and everything that goes into a business. But I also learned how much I hated having a boss. I was watching the clock all the time. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I kind of looked at it as a, a glimpse into the future, into what life was like after college. So when I got to college, I looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to start my own business or I was going to go out in the real world, get a real job and and never look back. So I started hustling right away. I I took that summer money that I had saved up the few thousand dollars and I started competing with my school bookstore, buying people's books. I would offer more than the bookstore. I created a little referral program. And before I knew it, 
there were lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. So that was my, my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And from there, I, I didn't want to get kicked out of school. My parents were teachers. That would not have gone over well. So I pivoted and I had sold some books on Amazon. And this was 2008, 2009. No one really knew what Amazon was. It was kind of like this big bookstore that was just getting into other products. And I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24-7 storefront. They would automatically deposit money into my bank account. Like All this was new. So I started experimenting with stuff I was familiar with, sporting equipment, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff. And I just failed over and over and over. The only thing I could get to sell were these books. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and one day I came across this deal on baby products that I finally started to get sales. And I kept listing more baby products and more baby products. And before I knew it, I'm selling hundreds of thousands, eventually a million dollars of baby products on Amazon as a 20-year-old single college guy, if you can imagine that. And my, I'm making a lot of money. My parents tell me I should probably pay taxes, right? So I meet with an accountant. And the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. I can do everything. I'll run this business forever. I love it. And he just laughed in my face and he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. So sure enough, my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter. Everyone's buying toys and baby products for Christmas. And I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I eventually work my butt off to just make it to the other side, to make it to January. And when I get there, I think to myself, man, I need to start hiring people right now. He was right. So I don't know anything about hiring. I'm 21. I post a job on Facebook. This guy in my business law class messages me. He says, hey, I don't know what you do. I need a job. And I just hire him on the spot. I don't even interview him. And he ends up being this unbelievable hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. I eventually make him my business partner. We've been working together for 10 years on free up. We're working together now on my new venture outsource school. But there I am as this punk 21 year old thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You just post a job on Facebook. Someone shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire, quickly learning that Hiring is tough. Hiring college kids, not very reliable. Hiring people in the real world didn't want to work for me as a 21-year-old entrepreneur. And so I get into the remote hiring space, the Upworks, the Fibers. I start building what I call my, my VA army of, of people in the Philippines that can handle all aspects of my business. And eventually, I just get sick of the marketplaces. It just takes forever to post a job, get 100 applicants, interview them one by one. And I kept trying to find something better, something faster. And when I couldn't find it, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll build it myself. So I took $5,000 and I built this really crummy software and I took it to market as the free up marketplace. And the whole concept was we would pre-vet VAs and freelancers using our vetting system that we had spent years creating. Uh, people could contact me, hey, I need a graphic designer, I need a customer service rep. We would introduce them quickly on the back end, 24-7 support in case they have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If someone quits, we cover replacement costs. And 
people love that concept. Again, we created an affiliate program where people would get 50 cents for every hour that we build for any clients who sent us forever. And that started to expand and it eventually surpassed our, our Amazon sales. We invested more money in the software and ended up scaling that for, for the past four years from a $5,000 investment to a million, 5 million, 9 million in the third year, 12 million last year. And one of our clients reached out about acquiring us, which is a whole nother story. And we ended up getting acquired about 200 days ago. And now that I'm, I'm out of free up, I'm focused on my new venture outsource school, which is teaching people how to use VAs and, and scale businesses the exact same way that, that we did. So that's my, my short, long story of how I went from a broke college kid to books, to baby products, to free up to now outsource school. Man, that is a lot. I can tell you are, you're an action taker. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people have problem usually with taking action, but you did it even as a student back in the day. So what is your secret? You never had like maybe fear of failure or what will others say, think? How did you, where, where did you master the courage to just go in even though you don't know if that idea is going to succeed or not? So what kept you going? It's funny because I, I don't consider myself like a major risk taker. It's not like I'm just taking a hundred thousand dollars and dumping it into Facebook ads or even even that software. Like I spent five grand to just make a, a very minimum viable product and get it to market. And when I was an Amazon seller, my whole mentality was I'm gonna get a college degree. I have a college degree right there that I've never used, and that was always in my back pocket. And I was 20, I had no responsibilities, I had no kids, no dogs, no family. And if I failed, I could always go out and get a real job. So in my mind, that was the time to take risks. And I think as I, I had a little bit more success and I got older, you kind of take a little bit more risk and a little bit more just based on, on what you've learned and where you've come from. Um, but I, I'm, I'm always one to just get products out there and listen to feedback and make adjustments and almost, almost like being an entrepreneur in, in the least riskiest way possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's probably the smart way to go about it. So I'm curious to dive more into your like mindset and your approach that you had. So let's imagine someone is starting out and he reaches out to you and asks you like, hey man, you, you did this amazing stuff in a couple of years. I'm just starting out. I don't have any particular knowledge or expertise and I don't have too much money to invest. What would you tell to that person like what should they focus on how should they start so i'm a big fan of throwing stuff against the wall and see what works and what doesn't work and whatever is working you put more time more money into whatever's not working you pull back maybe you visit it later with a different approach and i mean if you had asked me 10 years ago if, if i'd be selling baby products on amazon i wouldn't have believed you i got to that point by a lot of trial and error and trying every single product line until i came across baby products and if you had asked me five years ago if i'd be running a freelancer marketplace i wouldn't have believed you that kind of came about because i, I noticed my an, a problem that I wanted to solve, which is always a, a great way to start a business. And if you asked me a year ago, if I would have sold free up and be here with outsource school, I never would have believed you because life just has a funny way of, of having turns and different roads. So for me, it's figure out what you're actually good at. The average entrepreneur is only good at one to three things. You might be sales, it might be marketing, you might be a numbers guy. And then 
find a way to surround yourself with people that are good at what you're bad at. That could be hiring people. If you're ready to hire people, that could be finding a business partner. Like I found Connor who we have the same values. We have the same core beliefs. We believe in treating people well and honoring our word, but we have completely different skill sets. So we complement each other very well. And then from there, get in the habit of trying things. I mean, the gurus and the experts, there's a lot of them out there. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great and they can teach you valuable information, but try not to follow the masses. Try to try things out on your own and see if you can find your own revenue stream, your own business model that isn't exactly what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I think that's really, really an important part. And also you, you mentioned something like crucial. I was just in the ClickFunnels group and people are like oblivious, they're just chasing opportunity. And you said like, find the problem you want to solve. And when you solve the problem, money will follow. So any, any idea of how, how someone will gain clarity around which problem are maybe good for them to solve? Is it something they have experienced in their own lives or they have seen around like, what, is, what would be your approach if you were to go back? Yeah, I mean, it just depends whether you want to be more of a B2C or, or a B2B business. If you want to be more of a, a B2C business, a customer, then, then you should be looking about stuff in the everyday life that, that people don't like, that people that waste people's time. I mean, we kind of live in, in the, a life of instant gratification now. So how can you find something that, that gets them something faster that they want? Um, and then if it's B2B, I mean, look for all the different businesses out there, where they're struggling, where they're wasting money, where they're wasting time. And try to find a solution for that. I mean, we, we live in an incredible time where you've got the computer, you've got internet. It doesn't take you that much money or that much time to get an idea off the ground or even to just network with someone. I mean, what we're doing now with, with Outsource School, we have, we have courses that are going to come out to help people with VAs, but we also are building software behind the scenes that we hope complements it. So what we've been doing is tapping into our network of entrepreneurs and telling them about our software ideas and they're, they're nice enough to not share it with other people, but we want their feedback. We want, we want to know, Hey, does this actually solve a problem? Because a lot of times as entrepreneurs in our head, we see, we think something's really good. We think it solves a problem for me or, or it will solve a problem for other people. But until you actually go out there and talk to your target market, talk to the people that would actually be buying your services or products, you don't actually know. And just by having those conversations, we continue to tweak it and have, and have better ideas of what we can do before we actually launch this software. And you can do the same thing in your business. If you think you have an idea that solves a problem, go out and find three to five different entrepreneurs that you trust and talk to them. See if they would actually buy it. Try to get some honest feedback and you don't have to take every bit of feedback and, but that information is incredibly valuable. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. We can just get overwhelmed if we try to think it through without testing and we will probably make mistakes as well. So you also mentioned, I think, before we were recording that you grew the company organically. So I'm mostly into organic stuff before the paid ads. Like you need to have actually a proven offer if you want to run any ads before. So what are, what are your top recommendations for growing either something of your own or maybe affiliate offer, but growing it organically? 
Yeah. So I, this is the blueprint that I think applies to any business. I mean, our last year of free up, we were spending a thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads and Google ads, and that was just retargeting. So not very much advertising. And it, to me, it all starts with your affiliate program, or you can call it a referral program. And you need to have a website on your page dedicated or a page on your website dedicated to it. You need to tell every single person about it. And when I would talk to any entrepreneur, any client, the end of the phone call, I would say, by the way, we have this great referral program. When I eventually taught people to take phone calls on behalf of me at FreeUp, same thing. They were trained to, every, at the end of every phone call, tell people about the referral program. And all of a sudden, people that like the service, obviously, you have to have a good service and a good product that, that people like, they would start telling other people. I would get clients that said, oh, I was in China at a conference and people are talking about FreeUp. That's cool. I've never been to China. People are spreading the word. So. That affiliate, that referral program is the base. The next thing I recommend is network. One thing I try to do is network with three new entrepreneurs every single day. I reach out to them on Facebook, on Instagram, try to avoid LinkedIn because you just get caught in the pool of spam messages there. Um, but setting up phone calls and you're not trying to pitch them, you're not trying to sell them, you want to learn about their business, tell them about you and your business, and see if there's a way to help each other. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. But if you're just constantly networking with other entrepreneurs, over time, you're going to build a great network. You're going to find lots of people that like your product, will tell other people about your product. Affiliate program, networking. Next is partnerships. Look for people in your industry that do, that do something different than you, that are not competitors, but have the same target audience. So for example, at FreeUp, we started off going after Amazon sellers and we eventually expanded it to marketing agencies and other stuff like that. But we found Amazon software companies and we said, hey, you go after Amazon sellers, we go after Amazon sellers, we don't sell Amazon software, you don't, you don't sell any type of VA to your freelance services, let's partner, let's do content swaps. And we set it up so it was nice and organized so it didn't take up any of their time and we would set it up either once a quarter or every six months. We would reach out to them. We would say, hey, what do you want to do together this quarter? Could be a guest blog post on theirs, on ours. Could be a podcast. Could be a YouTube video. Could be just an email blast. We blast their a promotion to our community for their product and vice versa. And over time, we're building partnerships with all these people in our industry that have the same target. And we're getting in front of their audiences constantly and reciprocating as well. Next is podcasts. If you're not going on podcasts now, you're really missing out. Find podcasts that are in your niche, connect with the podcast hosts, pitch them. If you're not getting rejected, you're probably not doing it right. I get rejected every single day, every single week. It's part of the business. And I've had podcasts where it took me three years of nicely following up and showing I could add value before they finally let me on the podcast. And podcasting is a great way to get in front of thousands of people at once, but it's also a great way to network. I mean, I'm going to get to know you a lot better and hopefully we can find different opportunities to work together in the future for having me on. It's good for backlinks and SEO. There's a lot of benefits there. And then lastly is micro-influencers, very similar to the, the partnerships, reaching out to people that have a Facebook group, that have a following on Instagram, and trying to show how you can add value to their community. And this one you'd probably do last. It's a little bit harder. But at FreeUp, we got lots of micro-influencers and influencers in the e-commerce, in the marketing space to love FreeUp. We gave them free credit to try out our service. They promoted it. They love the affiliate program. Again, it all circles back to that referral program. And if you do that blueprint correctly, and you don't have to do it all on day one, you can slowly add more and more, 
you, that's how you organically grow a business. And if you can run ads and, and do and spend money on marketing and, and stuff on top of it, that's great. But you can build a business just organically. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I find a lot of people say that they have a problem with traffic, but you pretty much sum up the way to go about it. But something that re- that you mentioned repeatedly is like uh, in almost every aspect, it's important to have like relationship building. So how how did you become better at building relationships and connecting with all those people. So let's assume someone is new. He maybe doesn't have good network of people. They don't know him, trust him, anything. So how does one go from being unknown entity to reaching out, building network, building trust and connect with all of those people? Yeah. Two tips on that. First of all, just do it. (laughs) Go out there, have conversations. Some of them might be awkward. Sometimes you might send a message to someone and they, they reject it because your message was too harsh, too aggressive, too salesy and continue to tweak it, continue to make it better. See what gets good reactions. The, The second thing is focus on people instead of just randomly reaching out to, to people that you have no connections with start with people that are connected with your connections. For example, let's say that I wanted to network with someone today. I'm going on your podcast. Maybe I'd find the other guests that have also been in your podcast and I could reach out to them and say, hey, I was on this podcast. You were on this podcast. I'd love to connect with you. And you find that common point. You can do the same thing on Facebook or Instagram to find people that you actually know really well and see who's following them, see who they're following, see who their friends are that are entrepreneurs. And you can slowly build a network that's one or two steps away from everyone out there instead of just reaching out to random people. I kind of do both. I like connecting with high level entrepreneurs that I might have no connections with. And then I'll balance that by connecting with people that are connections away from my other connections. And you can go about it however you want, but those are some ways to kind of improve your success rate. I love that answer. And tell me, do you think that it's necessary? I mean, you have an awesome track record and you can leverage that when you're reaching out to someone. But what if someone doesn't have like success, he's just starting out, what can they use for leverage in order to either, I don't know, get on podcasts, network with someone or something similar? Yeah, I mean, show you're hungry, show you care, show you're a hard worker. I mean, I I know for me, as an entrepreneur who, yeah, I've had some success, but when someone reaches out to me and they're they're like, hey, I'm I want to be an entrepreneur, like I'm focused on this. This is what I'm building. This is what I'm trying to do. This is how I need help. And they're also showing that they kind of value my time. They have some kind of intention, some kind of purpose. I want to help them. I'm going to go out of my way to help them. And yes, there's plenty of entrepreneurs that think they're big shots that aren't going to respond to your messages that aren't going to help you in any way. But there's plenty of them that are super nice that'll want to help you that'll be willing to spend 10, 15 minutes on on a phone call with you. So don't get distracted by the other noise. Focus on just finding really nice entrepreneurs that want to help. And as you become more successful, make sure that you're giving back. And when people reach out for you for help or for networking, that you're accepting those calls and finding time every single week to do it. So that's kind of my overall mentality on it. I love your mentality. (laughs) Could you tell me, do you think that it, is it important to, as you build either your business or whatever, that you build build audience along the way do you think it's necessary and what are what are your general thoughts on that 
Yeah, you should definitely be trying to build an audience. I left out it is just putting out constant content. So for me, I pick the channels that I want to put out on. You don't have to pick every single social media platform, maybe pick two or three, one or two to start, whatever it is, and post three times a day, morning, afternoon, night. You can make the afternoon one the longer one, the morning and the night can be a little bit shorter. And over time, as you're networking, as you're going on podcasts, as you're building partnerships, and you're putting out content, that's how you build an audience. And you also don't have to spend all day on social media. What I do is once a week, I write out 21 pieces of content posts. I actually try to write 28, so I'm a little bit ahead in case I, I, one week I, I have to skip or whatever. But I'll write it all in once and then I'll throughout the week, throughout the day, I'll grab it, copy, paste, throw it in there. And every once in a while, something comes up and I'll be like, oh, I got to post about this now and I didn't have something pre-written. But you can get organized like that where you're writing stuff ahead of time, posting on different social media channels. And that's going to be a great way to build an audience to go along with all the networking and all the partnering that you're doing. Yeah, that's true. Content is still one of the most relevant things. And usually people like check it out, even when they hear, hear about you, then they check it out. And if they see the content and the value, they are more likely to become part of your audience and following. But how do you find like, uh, I put out content a lot, but how do you manage to get like 20 or 30 pieces of content in one day? I mean, the, the ideas and create creativity. It's funny. I, I'm not a good writer. Connor, my business partner is a, an amazing writer. I wish I had his writing skills. So for me, it was just about doing it and just getting it out there. And, and sometimes I wouldn't even write, I would just write down ideas. So I wouldn't write the entire post. I would just write topics out and then I'll go back to it with a fresh mind, maybe the next day, and then I'll write it all out. So th there's no perfect formula for it. I mean, you can look at what other people are doing and don't copy them, but you can get ideas. You can see what's working, what, what's not working. And a lot of times I have no idea whether something's a good post or a bad post. I'll spend a lot of time writing something. I'll put it out there. I'm like, this is killer. People are going to love this crickets. And then other times I'll, I'll have this quick tip that I thought of that I actually implement every day. In my mind, it's, it's kind of common sense and I'll throw it up there. It's like three sentences and people are like, oh my God, this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So for me, it's, it's just get it out there, get it out there consistently. You can always tweak it. If something's not working, you can always stop doing it, but you're never going to know what works for your audience. I mean, if you, let's say you're following my posts and people can follow, I'm, you can follow me on any social media channel and they're like, oh, this is great for Nate's audience. Nate's audience is entrepreneurs that want to hire remotely. Well, that might not apply to your business. My content ideas might not apply to your audience. The way that I write content might not apply. So you got to figure it out with your audience. And the only way to figure it out is by doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And here it comes up again, your, your mindset, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm curious to see to hear your opinion, uh, but I would attribute that fact that you go out and do it, regardless of whether you know and you probably aren't sure if something's gonna work out, but you do it anyway. I think that is one of, if not the biggest thing that is for, that's, that makes you so successful. So I'm curious, what do you think is the one trade that you have that made you so successful? I don't know. I, I think I always grew up, my, my mom always has said this to me. She just says, work hard, play hard. And the way that I've always interpreted it is no matter what I'm doing, I just go all out. If I'm trying to go on podcasts, I'm going to go all out and try to get on as many good podcasts as possible. If I'm going snowboarding next weekend in Colorado, which I am, 
I'm going to try to snowboard as hard as I can and have as much fun as I possibly can while I'm there. If I'm playing a softball like, or going to the gym like I'm going to do after this podcast, I'm going to crush it at the gym for an hour and burn a thousand calories and go all out. And that's kind of my just overall mentality in life. And I think it, it applies to, to business. It applies to school. It applies to everything. And you don't have to have that exact mentality. The other thing that I would just say is just don't be afraid of failure or what people think of you. I think at a young age, I just kind of became numb to, to what people's opinions are. And I was very much just focused on what I want to do and trying stuff out. And like I said, I get rejected every single day, every single week. I fail plenty of times and stuff happens. But over time, you don't look back and you're like, man, I, I failed at these 10 things. You're like, wow, I succeeded at this one or two things. And you, don't, you only get there by trying a lot of different things. That's so true. And tell me if you were to go back and maybe do one thing more of that you saw is successful over the time and one thing that you you see doesn't work, it's terrible. Uh, what are, What is like one thing that you would do more of and what is the one thing that you would do less of? So one thing I would have done more of is put out content earlier. I mean, I had success when I was 20. I I didn't start writing content until I was 28. So that's eight years of content and growing my visibility online that, that I missed out on. Hindsight's 2020. Um, if I could do something and just not do it, I, with the Amazon business around year five, I, I opened up an office. And in my mind, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to pay all these remote people to come to the office now and relocate them. And we're going to be more productive. We're going to have meetings. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to have this this my own personal desk. And, and it, it was awful. I mean, I added overhead to a business that didn't need overhead. I felt like I created a nine to five job for myself that I had to drive into every day, which I hated. I kind of lost this remote lifestyle and freedom that I had worked so hard to build. And the people that were love being remote that now had to go to the office, they didn't really like it either. And there was drama. So got rid of the office, went back to remote. Now every business I run going forward is probably going to be remote. And that was a lesson learned. Yeah, good lesson for everyone, I would say. <laughs> so, okay, could let's let's start with something super practical. Could you give like maybe two or three tactics that you like using other than like content content creation on the weekend that people may start implementing like I don't know, as soon as they hear this podcast and maybe they can start slowly scaling their business and growing their audience and increasing their reach. Yeah. So let's talk about hiring. Cause I think that's the other area that people, um, if people are, are scared to do or don't do properly and as entrepreneurs, we tend to just keep adding stuff to our plate and we forget to subtract and to delegate and to give people other tasks. So I have a 90 day rule. I don't do any task longer than 90 days without passing it off my plate. Now, for the first month, I'm throwing stuff against the wall. I'm seeing what's working, what's not working. By the second month, I have a pretty good idea of what doesn't work. And I'm creating SOPs, standard operating procedures, really step-by-step -step of how to do that process. Maybe I'm hiring someone by the end of month two. And then month three, I'm spending training and onboarding them and getting them to do the task. So by the end of that month, I'm no longer doing it. And I'm doing that to get five hours a week back, 10 hours a week back. It might be even more than that. And it might take you longer or less than 90 days. But as a rule of thumb, I don't want to just keep adding repetitive tasks to my plate. I need to start getting, creating systems, creating processes, and delegating. And if you're in that mentality where every time you add something, you're creating a process for it and passing it to someone else before you add something else, that's how you're going to scale your business over time. 
That's so important. Like one of the takeaways from OFA with Russell Brunson, he said, uh, don't ask how, ask who. As in, we can't do everything by ourselves. Like you can try and I tried. Like when I started my journey, <laughs> it was like, okay, so what do I do? I need to learn this. Okay, then this, then SEO, then this and this. And it's like never ending cycle of things that you just first can be the best at. You don't have the time to learn all of them. So it's pretty draining. And he said, that's cool. Like there are people who are doing this for years and you could just pay someone and they will do it better anyway. So I was like, that was one of my aha moments. So I think that's really important shift in mindset. And what would you tell to people who have this mindset of, oh, but I don't have the money to hire that person to do task X or Y, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you can find a business partner. You can think of things more project-based rather than ongoing. Hey, what, what would I do with a new website? Hey, I have someone write content or come up with good graphics. I mean, if you really are just making no money and, and you can't afford anyone, you really have to do more trial and error and figure out how to build that revenue stream. But what's kind of cool about being in the, the remote, the virtual environment is once you start making a little bit of money, you could be making a few thousand dollars a month, you then just have to figure out, hey, what percentage am I going to invest in hiring? If you make a thousand dollars profit a month and you want to invest, let's say 50% of it into hiring, that's 500 bucks a month. You can do a lot with 500 bucks a month. You can hire a full-time or even part-time virtual assistant. You could get a good project done. You could redo your website. I mean, it doesn't take that much money. Now, over time, as you make more money, do you want to potentially hire better people or in higher price people? Absolutely. But what you need to do is be able to look at how much money you're making and how aggressive or how conservative you want to be. And we have a cool tool for this. If you go to outsourceschool.com slash VA calculator, you can put in the information in your business and how aggressive or conservative you want to be. And it'll tell you how many VAs you can afford, how many full-time, how many part-time. And to me, that's the first step. If you don't understand what your budget is, you're not ready to hire yet. Now, once you understand what that budget is, then you can create a list of everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. You can assign dollar values on, on what kind of task is it? Is it a $3 an hour task, a $20 an hour task? You can put in how many hours a week you actually spend on it so you can prioritize it and get a lot of your hours back pretty quickly. But you really have to understand how much you can afford before you do that. That is super important, actually. And I want to drill a bit more on that. Like for people that don't have the revenue stream, maybe just yet online, what would you recommend? Uh, what is, in your opinion, the best way to start and to add some income from online business? Yeah. So one thing that people don't think about is you can get creative on how you invest into your business. Let's say that you do need to hire some people to help you because you're just not good at building a website. You're not good at setting up Zapier or whatever it is. You can go and consult. You can go in and work a job for a month and then quit that job and take the money that you made and invest into your business. You could go do create a smaller business that you're only going to do temporarily, go mow lawns or do whatever. Like You can find a way to temporarily make money. You can go on on free up or upwork or whatever and and get projects and then just stop doing it and focus on your business once you get that money. So it doesn't always have to be wait till the business makes money and then invest in the business. You can find money from other ways and work hard and and add have a, some brutal weeks that you're adding 20 to 30 hours of work temporarily to get money to fund your business to eventually lead to freedom if that makes sense. Yeah, it's 
it absolutely does. And tell me, like, good, good, good part of the listeners are affiliate marketers, and they don't need to stress like about the product, about fulfillment, about support, and all those stuff. So, uh, but one thing that they should think about is how to differentiate themselves, like in the marketplace where it's already competitive. So, do you have any tips on that? So, since you are like, you have that creative mind. Yeah, to me, it's all about being authentic and and showing that you honor your word and that you actually care about the products that and services that you're promoting that you're an affiliate for. I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that'll make money for anything, any opportunity that comes up. If you show that you're picky, that you're choosy, that you actually have your community's best interests at heart, that you're kind of like the gatekeeper before anything gets in front of your community and, and you want to make sure it's good before it gets there. And that if something goes wrong, because we're all startups, like we make mistakes, stuff happens inside of our control, outside of our control, that you're going to make it right with your community. And your community then knows that not only can they trust you to, to find good products and to be an affiliate for, but if anything goes wrong, you have their back and you're going to help make it right. To me, that overcomes a, a lot of the other noise that, that's in the market today. Um, I don't know if you agree with that as an affiliate marketer yourself. I absolutely do. I think it's crucial. I mean, it's almost a cliche now, but the build, the no like and trust factor, it's super important. And let let's that let's make that our last question. How would you go about building the no like and trust with either your audience or with your network or both, whatever? Yeah. I mean, I would try to network with a ton of people and help them however I can. And you have to think of ways that you can provide value to them. Maybe you have a list of podcasts in the industry that you can share with them. Maybe you have someone in your network that you can put them in touch with. Maybe you got an article published in a magazine and you can share that connection. I mean, those might be terrible examples, but you can think of of something that applies to you that you can actually give value to. And it doesn't have to be that crazy. I've met with plenty of people that say, Hey, I'm trying to get on X podcast. And I'm like, Hey, check out these, or someone's trying to get into affiliate marketing. And they, you say, Hey, follow this person. They, they, they know what they're doing. They help me. I mean, small stuff like that can go a long way. And if you continue to add value, that's going to be the starting point of building the trust. Yeah. And trust is in my opinion, probably the most important, important, important factor for it. All right. So Nathan, thank you for your time. Could you share with the listeners where they can find your stuff online and where they can connect with you? Yeah. And thanks so much for having me. I'm pretty easy to contact online. I'm probably one of the easiest entrepreneurs to contact. So feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Nathan Hirsch on Facebook and LinkedIn, the real Nate Hirsch on Instagram and Twitter. Um, If you go to outsourceschool.com, that is my new venture. We're really excited for we are launching our first course called Cracking the VA Code, or IOTM Method. IOTM is I-O-T-M, stands for Interviewing, Onboarding, Training, and Managing. That is coming soon. And off of that, we have a lot of ideas for other courses, how to use VAs to get on podcasts, how to use VAs to run social media, not to mention the software that we're building that we think will complement it all. So if you haven't checked out Outsource School, I'd really appreciate it. We'd love your feedback and feel free to connect with me in whatever channel you use. All right. And as always, everyone, you can find all the links at show notes in affiliatejourney.co slash Nathan. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just go down below in the description. All the links mentioned will be over there. Nathan, thanks again for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Everyone. 
don't forget to subscribe for more awesome guests every Friday. And until next time, goodbye. Congrats if you made it here. It means that you are a learner, you are working on yourself and big, big props to you for that. Um, again, if you want to connect with Nathan, you can do so at affiliatejourney.co slash Nathan. All the links will be over there. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe not to miss any of the awesome guests. I have already two amazing ones lined up for next two weeks. And yeah, that would be that would be all. Uh, stay stay safe in these hard times with COVID-19. Uh, take care of yourself and of your loved ones. And until next time, cheers for your success.